Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to another episode of Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. I'm Valeria and I'll be hosting today's segment. Each episode will have a special guest who will share their story of success, career advice, and industry insight. Today's guest is Michael Bumgarner, the founder and CEO of Kanuka, a CBD skincare and beauty brand available in over 2,000 retail doors. In this episode, we talk about how a background in rural farming led him to create a CBD skincare brand, how a shift in marketing strategies helped his company scale globally, and how Kanuka is reintroducing cannabis to consumers. Thank you again for taking the time. Welcome to the podcast. I'd love to just get started with a little bit of background on yourself and your journey into the skincare industry. Yeah, love it. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you and uh, kind of fill you in on all things Kanuka and how we got here. Okay, really, my background, it's interesting. You had asked me five or six years ago about being in beauty, but it probably last because I actually have a farming background. Um, didn't grow up big time beauty buff or anything like that. My definition of skincare, probably a, a bar of dial soap and some, you know, a Vaseline or some one bottle of lotion. Uh, but I really got interested in beauty because of my uh, passion for industrial hemp. Like I said, a farming background, and I look at industrial hemp as a huge opportunity for our small and medium sized farmer to put their land back to work for them. So as I started studying more about industrial hemp, it was still illegal in most states and it still is today. I thought, hey, if I can create a brand that can kind of help re-educate people on what cannabis is and what it's not, maybe then we can get some legislation passed that allow these farmers to put their land to use, ultimately allow them to make more money, put more food on their table because a lot of small communities across America are struggling. So I started studying, truly started studying all about the benefits of industrial hemp. There's thousands different uses, fell in love with CBD, a lot of health benefits of CBD, but if I want to reintroduce plants to a large population, how do I do that? And I, I identified beauty, specifically skincare, as this wide open space that we could really get a new product on the people's skin, show them a benefit, so they want to learn more about why it's so effective, and then ultimately learn more about the plant and increase demand, etc. Uh, I am very fortunate that my wife is uh, one of the lab fortune, but my wife's in dermatology. So I was able to learn from her uh, that most skin issues, the root cause is inflammation and cannabis and CBD and other cannabinoids has been shown to help really calm and soothe the skin. So it was a really great introductory product to uh, to get in the marketplace and, and share with people. The main ingredients in your products are manuka honey, CBD oil, and hemp oil. Can you tell us more about how you source these ingredients and what the benefits are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so Kanuka is really just to play on words, cannabis and Manuka honey. So I kind of combined those two words and created Kanuka. Uh, like you said, we are a very clean, natural, natural skincare brand. Obviously, our two primary ingredients being the, the cannabis, specifically CBD, um, cannabidiol, and then we also use hemp seed oil. Uh, both are great for your skin. Hemp seed oil in general has that perfect balance to the omega, so it really helps open your pores and soothe your skin. And CBD has been known and has been shown to really help 
decrease inflamed skin, really helps soothe and calm your skin. Uh, and then Manuka honey, you know, what was important to me, this is about four years ago, I had a, a thought process of, all right, so this plant is going to really kind of take over mainstream fairly soon. So how do we partner these great ingredients of the cannabis plant, CBD specifically, with another synergistic ingredient to really create a differentiator for us? And that's where we found Manuka honey. Manuka honey is a medical grade honey used in hospitals all across the world to heal burn wounds. So we pair those two together and it really creates an effective formula for uh, helping you know, heal your skin. The honey that you're sourcing, is that in the U.S. or do you have to get that from abroad? Yeah, no, so there's only two places in the world we can get Manuka honey uh, in New Zealand and that's where we source ours in the southern tip of Australia. We actually use a, a UMS certified active 16, which is a medical grade honey. Uh, we are vertically integrated on the hemp side, so we own our farms. We're in several across the country, so we can really control the efficacy of the cannabinoids that we use within our ingredients as well. And then we have a whole list of other ingredients, I think around 18 total. So we're very minimalistic, but all of them are sourced in a very sustainable uh, way here in the U.S. as well as abroad. Interesting. So I'm curious with, you know, everything happening with COVID. I know there was a period of time, I'm not sure if it's still ongoing, where certain countries weren't accepting um, mail in and out of the United States and vice versa. How did COVID affect your supply chain with your honey coming from out of the country? Well, I what, really has not affected our supply chain as of yet. Now, obviously, COVID's still ongoing, um, but we, we were really mindful very early on to make sure our inventory, at least on the, our raw ingredients, was at a level that we could last a significant period of time. And then in regards to our shipping, like the way we sell products, our focus right now is really narrowly here in the United States. You know, if you go back to my ultimate mission, is to create these brands, kind of destigmatize cannabis so we can create a flourishing farming opportunity in America. And then we can take that throughout the vertical here in the States and then, you know, across the world. Um, but knock on wood, we, we haven't seen a big impact in the way we ship besides things have slowed down. So it used to take two days to get to one of our customers because of the increased in online ordering and shipping in general, sometimes it has taken up to three to four days for someone who orders our products to receive if it's going from coast to coast. So it sounds like you were kind of prepared with your stock to not have COVID affect it too much? Yeah, yep. We, we, were, we always try to control what we can control, but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's really all about solving problems. So many challenges that pop up, as I know you know with, with your business, that you just have to be really nimble and be able to, you know, assess the situation and, and pivot where you can and where you need to pivot. You know, obviously, you know, we were very fortunate. We were actually the largest CBD beauty launch in the world. We went from basically a handful of retailer doors to over 2,000 within an 18-month period. Our largest brand partner was Alta Beauty. We launched nationally with Alta Beauty at roughly 1,200 doors. And then when COVID happened, you know, so much of our revenue was indoor in retail. And then it got shut down, right? When COVID happened, all uh, all retail basically got shut down. So again, that's a problem. We had to assess the situation and really pivot to focus on what we could control, which is really our direct consumer strategy. You know, and if, if there is a, a positive to COVID, it would be that we were able to really learn more who our consumer is and really take ownership of that distribution channel uh, via our e-commerce. So then when we get to the other side of COVID, which I am confident we will, we'll be able to, number one, re-engage all of our retailers and support them at a 
uh, high quality the way we want to, as well as have a better distribution with our own channels and really a better understanding of who our consumer is, what they like to buy, why they like to buy, how often they want to buy. So uh, the goal of coming out of this is being even stronger position than we were getting into COVID. That's actually a good segue into my next question, which I want to go back a little bit to when you started. I read that when you first launched, your marketing strategy was direct to consumer, like you just mentioned, and now you're targeting more retailers like Ulta. I know you're in Free People and Neiman Marcus as well. What was that shift like, and how did that change your brand? Looking back, it was probably the best thing for us. Uh, but as a young entrepreneur, when I started this, you know, I have a board that I report to, and I had this really very specific strategy that we're going to be the best direct consumer brand ever ever to happen. <laughs> about two months into our launch, Facebook shut us down, Google shut us down, and we had to really pivot quickly. So that was a, it was a fun conversation I had with my board to say, hey, you know, what you guys invested in, I have to change that within three months of the launch. Uh, so it was a tough conversation, but what that did is say, you know, we learned quickly, well, if I can't pay to advertise like other natural skincare brands can, you know, how do I build my brand? How do we get our brand awareness out there? And it was actually probably a good thing that happened because then it forced us to start talking with the national retailers and really learn from them you know, what they want and really prepare ourselves to be able to press go when they were ready to bring in CBD products into their retailers. And we were very fortunate, like I said, to launch National with Ulta. We have a number of great retail partners. Also, like you said, three people, all the urban brands, Neiman Market, Brand Nordstrom, you name it, we're in a lot of them. Uh, but I look at those retailers as our, as our influencer because without them, no one would really probably know who we are because I couldn't pay to advertise and buy media and really share our story because of the rules and regulations against CBD. Now that is slowly opening up, but... Uh, we're very grateful for this national partnership because they really were able to you know, continue to advertise the brands that they work with and share our story to help really build Kanukita into what it is today, which is you know, one of the leaders in, the, in this new thriving category. Do you feel like now it's a little bit easier for CBD brands to target consumers, or is there still strict advertising guidelines that prevent that from happening? It is opening up. It is not where it needs to be. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a very kind of free market kind of individual where I wish we all could play on the same, on a level playing field. Kanuka, we still cannot advertise as easily as other natural skincare brands. And on top of that, uh, our credit card fees are, you know, probably 50, if not 100% higher than some of these brands as well. If you think of every single dollar that someone spends online, there's typically a two to two and a half percent processing fee. Ours at one point in time is close to 7%. That's higher than vice, right? People consider vice businesses. Um, and all we're doing is selling a, you know, a natural skincare product. Even when we're able to advertise online, that's still an even playing field because I'm spending more on our credit card processing fees, which limits the amount I can advertise and get the word out because I'm paying more behind the scenes in the fees. So do you think that's because of just like a lack of education on CBD and hemp? I do. And I think there's probably some large companies out there that, that have the, the awareness, the brain awareness. And, you know, when CBD and these other cannabinoids, if you really think about beauty and skincare, the past couple of decades, it's really been the same ingredients just reformulated over and over again. And CBD has really been that, that new, innovative ingredient. And it, it brings a level of newness 
in a category that's always looking for that new hot thing. So I think it does help some of those other brands not have to compete with these, these new uh, these new CBD brands out there. So I think there's some of that, but I also think there's some education as well. Yeah, um, it is new. Um, it's cannabis. It's scary. You know, there's been eighty or ninety years of propaganda against the the cannabis plant. So I think there is that you know that stigma that is slowly changing, and it started on the coast and coming to Middle America. Um, kind of this cannabis wave, and it's getting there, and it's picking up. But Kanuka, if I look at this category in general, I look at Kanuka as being kind of that tip of the spear. I really want to get focused on Middle America. I'm from Ohio, so I'm from a very rural, probably more conservative area, and my thought process is if we can get Middle America better understanding what cannabis is and what it's not through the private sector, through brands, then this wave will turn into a tsunami, and it'll, you know, destigmatized a lot faster. And I think that's really what can nuke is cool, not only in providing great skincare products, but uh, in the cannabis space, it's really helping kind of, uh, kind of destigmatize this thing a lot faster so then people can learn about all the additional benefits the plant, the plant has, whether you're thinking environmentally um, or the health benefits that I believe it has. Despite those obstacles, I'm sure you're proud and it feels good to have a brand that's kind of like leading the way in terms of having CBD become more of the norm in beauty and skincare and just um, in terms of bringing awareness for the hemp industry in general. No, it, it, it is funny. Um, it's not funny. You know, I'm very proud. And it, and it takes a team. I've got a great, great team. We all have different strengths. Um, and one of the things that I try to do is try to stay in my lane, uh, which is trying to see the opportunity, share the story, and get good people around to continue to build this thing. Because uh, there is a huge opportunity, and, and it's not just Kanika. There's a number of really great brands out there. Uh, and just think, in the past couple of years, there's been over 2,000 different DVD brands launched. So it's getting competitive very quickly. But I love competition, and I think that's really what continues to uh, to push the innovation in all categories is, is that level of competition. But I can't name another category, at least in my lifetime, that has had this level of competition so quickly. You know, basically going from nothing to thousands of brands very, very quickly. Uh, so the innovation is happen- happening on a daily basis. Yeah, it's interesting to watch for sure. And I'm curious... Um, as CBD products have become more popular in the recent years and people become more familiar with the benefits of CBD and um, legislation passes that allows brands to sell these products, how does your company strategize to compete and stand out with other CBD brands on the market? That's a great question. And, and I think we've actually kind of, our thought process now is we're a skincare brand first. And we happen to have a, a new innovative ingredient, the CBD, that we use. And we'll start using the other cannabinoids because there are over 100 different cannabinoids that we can use to offer different benefits. But I first want to create an effective product. If you can create an effective product with a good message, uh, with a brand that people believe in and have a good social social mission, which I do believe we, we have, I think then you're set up for, for success. So... Uh, I'm currently not looking at the landscape of I'm competing with the other CBD brands. I want to compete with, you know, the drunk elephants of the world who have an amazing brand and an amazing product and their innovation is next level from not only the formulas, the packaging, et cetera, but those are who I want to 
uh, ultimately compete with and, and compare ourselves to. Now we're really early. That's the that's the big goal. They just sold for close to nine hundred million dollars. <laughs> They've done a lot of things right over over their little tenure. I think they're about eight to ten years old. But um, those are who we're striving to to be more like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you said, like competing more with beauty than just CBD is a really great approach because that is the audience that you're targeting. So it makes sense. Well, and I look at it this way. It's like at the end of the day, all these brands and all these entrepreneurs, myself included, you know, in our minds, we're, we're doing exactly what we think is the best strategy ever. Uh, so that's why we're doing it. We, we think it's the winning strategy, but we're not the winners. Ultimately, who's going to decide you know, the longevity of all brands, it's the consumer. So, you know, we take a hard stand on always being transparent and then just honestly trying to create the most impactful, effective products that we can stand by. And then if we can do that and we can get it to enough people, they will choose, you know, ultimately, you know, who they're going to be loyal to for the lifetime of uh, their interest in skincare. Also, just the fact that your two ingredients, like it says on your website, two ingredients combined for the first time, just the fact that it's not like a CBD beauty brand, it's CBD and Manuka honey, that alone, I think, sets it apart just right off the bat. No, but that was the key thing. And honestly, it's even more than just CBD. I mean, it really, if you think about our brand, it really is cannabis and Manuka honey. And cannabis can be everything, in my opinion. It can be just hemp seed oil, because hemp seed oil is part of that cannabis plant, and Manukahani can be CBD, and it can be any of the other cannabinoids that come from CBD. Uh, I actually even take the stance that if one of our products, if CBD or hemp seed oil doesn't provide the benefit that what we're, what we're claiming, well, then I'm not going to use it. Uh, but, but when that happens, we're already working on sustainable packaging. So I want to actually transition all of our packaging when the technology is there and when it's, when it's cost effective because right now it's just so expensive and we have, I have a more of a mass brand and I don't want to drop my pricing up to $100 a, a unit. But ultimately, I want to use hemp plastic and I want to use secondary packaging when I need to use it, hemp paper. So even when I can get there, I think that's still part of our brand ethos of this combination of you know using cannabis and the honey and I love that sustainable packaging idea. I've definitely never seen that in the beauty industry. So that would be amazing, like you said, once um, the technology and pricing allows for it. And, and there's a lot. There's, there's a couple good groups that are that are working on it. And I do think I think we're getting close. Now, probably the next three to five years, just because number one, once the technology's there, which takes a significant investment, then then you need the uh, the role. So then that's where the hemp farmers come in. You can, you know, if I look at our farms, you have different aspects. You have the stock, but then you can break down to the pulp and fiber, but then we can use for the hemp plastics. But then we also have the, the seed and then all the different cannabinoids that we can pull out. So there's a number of different uses for the hemp plant, uh, and we've only scratched the surface. You know, we're all, the, all the talk about cannabis right now, it really is either CBD or the THC on the medical and recreation side. That's such a small... Um, it's a small piece of what the, the cannabis plant really can provide in the grand scheme of things. You know, I can take it back. I get kind of long-winded here. As I'm sure you're used to doing these interviews with entrepreneurs. We all get long-winded. <laughs> but um, hemp and was actually the first billion-dollar crop in America until Prohibition in the 20s and 30s. So they were using it for its fibers, it's, you know, a number of different uses. And then there were several reasons why 
prohibition came, I think there, there's racism involved as well as, you know, some people saw a huge opportunity on, you know, using their farms, the cotton, and then the forestries for fiber versus hemp. But yeah, so, so it's not a new thing. It's just, it's new to us because it's been, you know, a prohibition for 80 or 90 years. So a huge opportunity. Yeah, well, you just made me want to learn more about hemp. It sounds very interesting, <laughs> and um, that's really exciting, the in- industry you're in, that it's kind of always changing, and there's always new things to learn and um, new ways to innovate. Well, it's fun, and, uh, and listen, I'm always learning as well, and I think that's the key thing. If you ever think yourself the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. I know <laughs> uh, I'm, ne- I'm never in, in that room. I'm always genuinely interested to, uh, to learn more from people, especially in beauty. Beauty is a very competitive category. Uh, I did a couple different things beforehand that I thought were actually more competitive, but nothing, in my opinion, is more competitive than beauty. Uh, you've got to stay on your game and learn from people that have been in, in the game for a long time. So, uh, so I'm sure we're only scratching the surface even in the uses of cannabis within the beauty and skincare sector because there's just so much innovation going on right now. Yeah. And you launched in 2017. You're now approaching your three-year anniversary. I'd like to know what some of the biggest lessons or growing pains you've encountered in that time. And um, I'm curious if you have any plans to celebrate Kanuka's third birthday. <laughs> well, so, well I, I, we will absolutely be celebrating. Every every year, I don't care whether it's in the CBD category or just really with any different business. If you start a business, it really comes out of the numbers. Most businesses fail like nine out of 10 fail the first year. Of the ones that make it, nine out of 10 of those fail within the first three years. So we, we're getting to that third year and I'm just so proud of our team and the fact that we are, we're still in the game, we're, we're competing, we're, we're working on building this, uh, but there's always growing pains again in all categories. But I do think that cannabis it has an extra layer of complexity just because of all, you know, we're not playing on a, on a level playing field. You know, we're, we're constantly put behind the eight ball and the fact that we can continue to somehow get around that eight ball and, and continue to get to the other side, it, it's a big win and something you know we're all proud of. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done because um, once we, you know, once CBD and cannabis in general becomes more normalized, which it is, then you're in one of the most competitive fields there is, which is beauty and skincare. You basically get into the starting line of being able to compete on the level playing field with, you know, some of the pros that have been doing this for decades and decades. Uh, but that's the goal, and that's what we're working hard to do. And, uh, and we try to take time to celebrate all the small wins because it's easy to get caught up in everything that's not going right. But there's always a, uh, a small win out there, and every single time someone purchases our product, that, that's a win because you can create something and get one person to buy something. It, it feels good, but you know, now we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are... Uh, buying our products on the regular and then we hit these we get these reviews of how it really is actually affecting their lives on, on another level um and if i'm not running out of time i'll tell you one specific you know instance um you know after that one call i think i mentioned it earlier when i had to pivot from our direct consumer to retail i went and had a board meeting and it was a tough board meeting because you know I, I sold this vision of this direct consumer strategy and I had to pivot very quickly, and everyone was kind of disappointed. On my drive home, and I had a two-hour drive home, after a very tough meeting, I had a phone call from a woman, and I'll, I won't say her name, but she was out of California. She was a actress model, um, and she had 
had breast cancer. And she called and just said, hey, my mom gave me your product. And I just want to tell you, um, I've not been able to get any work. You know, the chemo has destroyed my skin. I felt terrible about myself because it's just not who I am. But then I started using your product and it's actually starting to heal and make me feel better. And it was a game changer. You, know, you just have this terrible meeting and then you get a call like that and it really puts it in perspective. So we're actually doing like a lot of cool stuff, not only on the industrial hemp side, but I love getting stories like this because we're actually really uh, positively impacting people's uh, you know, well-being. So it's fun. It must motivate you to want to continue working and building your brand, you know, even yeah. when there's yeah. setbacks, kind of pushes you forward. 100%. Uh, especially, I mean, that's why I always reiterate, I didn't, I've learned so much about media. Again, I was never thought I'd, I'd be doing panels and, you know, doing, talking about different face creams just because I didn't grow up like that. I, I truly was very minimalistic <laughs> in the products that I used growing up on the farm. Um, but now I know that it's so much more than what people realize beauty and skincare is because it really does, you know, when you, when you feel you look good, you feel good. And there, there is, there's a lot of truth to that. And, and we are really helping a lot of people in a number of ways. So uh, it definitely keeps us very motivated to uh, produce a high-quality product and uh, continue to try to innovate and get the word out there. Yeah. That's why I appreciate your time and, and allowing us to, to share our story and, and continue to uh, preach the, the gospel of Kanuka and cannabis and CBD and Manuka honey and all the, all the good stuff. You touched a little bit about how your retail partnerships were affected with COVID. And I saw on your Instagram that Kanuka sent kits of your products to frontline workers. I was wondering if you could tell us more about that initiative. So, I mean, pretty straightforward on the, on the retail partnership. And this had nothing to do with uh, uh, actual the retail partnership relationship. You know, when, when COVID happened and the world shut down, uh, all of our retailers you know, they, they close their they close their indoor experience. So we still were able to sell online, which we did see a, a bump in sales on the Alta.coms of the world. But we did have some inventory that, you know, we were sitting on. And because we have a natural skincare product, you know, we have a, a shorter shelf life than if we use chemicals. So our shelf life is roughly 18 months. We try to, we try to sell within 12 months just to make sure it's really good stuff. So we had some extra, extra units. And instead of, you know, trying to figure out other different ways where we can push them. We saw, you know, how all these frontline workers were working so hard, like 15, 18 hour days. And I, I know how hard they work because my wife, and she's a PA. So as a PA, she was, she started in the emergency room, then went in orthopedics. And now for the past, you know, five, 10 years, uh, she's been in dermatology. But I, I see how hard these people work in real time. Uh, they use their hands. They're always scrubbing with the alcohol. Uh, and disinfectant, which actually destroys your skin over a period of time, and they were working so hard. We could have done a number of different things, but we really wanted to give back to those frontline workers, share that, hey, we, we know you're working hard, and this is very something small we can do, but it will help uh, help your hands, help your face, help you feel good, and it's always just nice to get something. I know when I get, it doesn't matter if I'll ever use anything or not, but if I ever get a note or a small gesture, it makes me feel good. So even if we could just make one of them, you know, the frontline workers feel better. But hey, we do see what you're doing and we respect it and uh, we wish we could do more, but it was just a small gesture we could do. But actually, we got a lot of really amazing notes from the, from the frontline workers saying thank you and 
So again, it was something small, but it was something we could do, and so we did it. That's awesome. As founder and CEO of Kanuka, I'm sure that you juggle many roles. I was wondering if you could share what aspect of your job is your favorite and which is the most challenging. <laughs> uh, that is easy. I'm, I am very much a people person. I love building relationships. I love having these type of conversations. I love the vision and, and kind of setting the tone and the direction and keep, keeping people motivated, building teams. I am probably not the best at the uh, at the detail role all the time, <laughs> and, and some of that more operational thing uh, that are just as important. But again, if we all have our strengths and we all have weaknesses, and that's why I'm very fortunate to have partnered up with a, a gentleman named Stephen Materno. He's kind of my the yin to my yang. Uh, he's so good at the, the details, and he's so good at the, some of the things that I'm not good at, uh, as well as we have many other team members. But here. He was actually one of the partners that invested in Canuga right out of the gates, and now we work side-by-side uh, side every single day. So that's why I kind of give him a, a shout-out. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's the key thing. As an entrepreneur, you're going to wear multiple hats. Um, we all do it. But ultimately, the, the second anyone can just really stay focused on what their strength is, you have to really dive into it and just build that team around. And sometimes it's difficult to give up some of the um, decision-making and other aspects of the business, but ultimately it's for the best. You can just really run at what you're good at instead of juggling too many things. I'm sure we all have experience in juggling too many things, and then typically none of them really come out to what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start a business in whatever industry that may be? Yeah, what advice? Um, I'll tell you what, you know, the best advice my parents gave me was uh, just always know there's someone out there that's probably, you know, in the sports world, but bigger, stronger, faster in the, in the work world. It's similar concept, working harder, spending more hours. So always know, like, there's people out there working harder. So keep that in the back of your head. Stay motivated to constantly just be out there hustling. But ultimately, I, I think some really good advice that one of my friends, uh, Webb Smith, actually said it. I think I actually read it in an article. But he said, uh, give, 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 and then ask. So... Before you ask someone for their help, uh, try to give as much as you can to that person. Uh, give them a win and, and then ask. And I think that's really imperative in all aspects of life, but also in the entrepreneur and business world. Um, because you just don't want to be that person that's just always asking someone for help. But if you give someone something and show them that you're willing to put the work in, they'll want to help you because you, you know, you'll, be a, you'll yeah. be a leader and I get to good luck. So. Actions speak louder than words. Right out about it. <laughs> okay, and then my last question, Michael, is where do you see Kanuka five years down the line? In another five years, um, actually, I mean, I, I, I see our roadmap pretty clearly. You know, this year, kind of everyone's in survival mode this year. So survive uh, this kind of downturn just in retail and general consumer spending, get through, and then we have a clear path. We're launching in the U.K. next year, have a couple of really good strategic partners there. And then it's honestly on a global on a global path to just continue to scale uh, across the world over the next you know, three to five years. Uh, continue to innovate with new product development. Uh, we've got. Oh, I wish I could actually share with some of the new the newness that we have coming out. Uh, but we're going to be in a couple different different categories. So our current collection and more mass. But I think we can go uh, in a couple of different categories throughout the sector. Uh, but ultimately, just continue to scale and uh, and innovate. That's exciting.
Well, thank you so yep. much, Michael, for your time. I'm excited to, you know, see those new launches and continue watching Kanuka grow. Um, thanks for taking the time to share your story today with us. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, keep up the great work. I love I love your site. We've been on it all day today, kind of uh, preparing myself for the chat. So uh, you're doing great things. And again, I appreciate your time and uh, you allowing me to, uh, to share the story. Thank you. Thank you so much to Michael for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you to everyone listening, and I hope you join us in the next Office Chats episode. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.